to be lost in his presence and to just be so consumed with an awareness of his reality is really what we're talking about here. We're hoping that you are getting excited and getting a vision with us for a healthy central assembly of God, one that is having real people serving a real God, making a real difference. Now, if I was to ask you, what is our vision statement? What would you say? Okay, so, yeah, you don't know it well enough yet, okay, all right? That is our vision statement, yeah. See, I gave you the clue. I said it before that. You actually said it, and then you said, well, certainly he doesn't mean that. It wasn't a trick test. It really was. See, our vision, what we see, we see Central Assembly of God a gathering together of real people. People with what? Issues. Look at your neighbor and say, you got some issues. Not every issue is a bad issue, okay? Not everything is wrong, all right? But we got issues. You got things that are happening in your life. Real life that's happening to you, right? Real challenges. Real victories. Is there any overcomers in the house today? Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter what the enemy brings against you. Your issue is not going to tear you down. But guess what? We can be a real people. You know, even the, even the psalmist had to say, my soul, why are you cast down? What was he doing? He was collecting his thoughts. He was collecting his, his awareness of, of who God is. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the real God, all right? And he was trying to put it in perspective. If I have eternal life, if my soul is going to live forever, then what in the world am I getting all distracted for and, 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 and disturbed about and discouraged about and depressed about what's happening right here and now? This soul is going to live. This, this is, it's transformed. I'm, I'm glorified. This body's going to be glorified, right? And, and it's is going to be living in the presence of God forever. Amen? I, I, I want you to get excited, all right, about not just, you know, something that's far off, but something that we could present to a people today who are hopeless and are looking for the good news. And hopefully you're walking around on a regular basis and encountering people and saying, you know what? You don't have to put on for God. You don't have to put on for me. If you cuss, you don't have to apologize to me. I'm not, I'm not wanting to hear it and all that kind of stuff. But, but you know, it's, if, if you slip and you mess up, listen, God is for you and not against you. Amen? He is for you and not against you. Some people, create, you know, create this picture, and God does. He hates sin. He hates sin, but he loves you. He loves the sinner. How do I know that? Because it says that while you were still yet a sinner, he demonstrated his love for us and gave his life for us. Amen? So how do I know? I, it's so important that you get this stuff, all right, and that you get this vision, that you get this picture in your mind about the environment and the culture that we're creating here. It's okay to be a real people with real issues, serving a real God and making a real difference. And so we've taken the last uh, number of weeks, and we talked about, first of all, real vision, and, and we use this as a leaping uh, verse. Go ahead, if you would, please. It says this in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, where there is no redemptive revelation of God. The revelation of God is the good news of Jesus Christ, right? Where there is no revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, or say blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. Now we're not trying to create stumbling blocks for people, right? <laughs> 
but we are trying to create targets for them, places of achievements, ladders by which they can go ahead and come up and live the good life. Live the blessed life. And sometimes people think that's so far out there. Really, that's just, a, you know, prosperity talk, Pastor. I mean, we know people who write books and they make all kinds of money and they talk about the blessed life. Listen, all that stuff is not wrong. The blessed life, all right, is something that's a reality for those of you who are in Christ. It ought to be something that you experience on a regular basis. It ought to be something that we're, our lives are being lived in such a manner way that people say, my goodness, do you see the favor of God? I don't know what you're eating. I don't know what you're drinking. I don't know what's happening. But there is something about you that's different. Are you, are you getting this? Are you understanding the type and the caliber of life that we're supposed to be living? Where someone is literally enviable after your lifestyle. I want that. I want that hope. I want that peace. I want that joy. That's the vision. Why? Because you have redemptive revelation that has been given to you in the good news of Jesus Christ. And no matter what the enemy does against you, amen, greater is he that's within you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, right? I mean, they're common verses, but guess what? They ought to be your go-to things. Every single time the enemy comes against you and tries to tear you down, you ought to have a defense, right? Sometimes people, you know, they, they, they think that it's, it's I've got to be ready to give a reason for the hope that's within me. And they think that that's, you know, answerable to other people to kind of always give them, you know, an additional knowledge. But here's what I'm telling you. You need to be ready to give a reason for the hope within you when the enemy attacks you, when the accuser comes against you. This is my hope. This is why I am believing. This is why I'm going after the Lord. I want us to pray. Before we go on and even do some of the review, I want us to pray because our country is experiencing all kinds of, you know, challenges today. There's things in the news. I mean, wasn't that far uh, many even weeks ago when North Carolina was being ripped apart with regards to the, the floods and the such from the hurricane. And then this last week with regards to Florida and the, the panhandle there. And I mean, whole community literally wiped off. The, the, the map, I mean, it's just, it's just not there. And, and there's all kinds of things and challenges that are happening in today, and, and that's what's going on. And then, and then you read in the news where, you know, uh, and 20 people's lives are lost. Get in a vehicle, and they're on the way to celebrate a birthday. You like how they're doing it or don't like how they're doing it regardless. But the fact of the matter is is that they were doing it, all right, and none of them expected that that change, right, was going to take place where the moms and the dads wouldn't get to be able to speak with their kids again and, and spouses would be lost and, I mean, whole couples. I mean, it, it, do you realize how fast things can change for you? Then with the bitter fight that we have in the political realm. Now, so let's talk politics and church, some people say. The thing is, I think that people can be Christ-like no matter what side of the political fence you're on. I, I, I said no, they can be. I think you should choose to be, amen? I think you ought to choose to vote your values. But my values are, are something I always vote above my pocketbook. I just want to go on record with that, all right? <laughs> it doesn't matter who promises me whatever. I'm going to vote for what the Lord lays upon my heart to do. 
I'm not going to vote in the popular thing. I'm not going to vote because some other person who even happens to be a, a, an influential Christian influence in my life because they say to do that. You, you, you sh- if you want to know how I vote, then you certainly we can have a conversation about that. But the fact of the matter is we need unity in the nation today. Can I just take a moment and say we need to pray about that? That we would be civil people, and, and not just civil, but we would be godlike? That I don't ever have to be angry in the sense of to where I can't talk to somebody who thinks differently than me. The moment I quit talking to people, the moment I, I break down those lines of communication and, and, and I don't try to find the, the things where we have common ground are the times in which I lose influence within people's lives. If you're so right about what you think when it comes to those things, then how about be an influencer rather than someone who's a divider? Amen? Will you pray with me for this nation? God, we come to you right now, and I'm thankful that you've given us this ability to express ourselves and to be able to come after you. Lord, we're asking for you in this hour to hear this prayer that's united together with other people who are praying for this nation, that, Lord, you would would bring this nation even to its knees as it would seek you and it would recognize that we need to truly be followers of you, believers in you, Not just be hearers, but be doers of the word. Lord, there's a number of individuals that have a a mixed up or distorted view of what your plan for their life really involves. And Lord, I pray for clarity. I pray for truth. I pray for direction, God, to come to them. And I pray, Lord, that we can be part of the equation in helping people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that we would be people who would be aligned with your word before we align with any political party, that we'd be people who would be aligned with your will. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to, to find ourselves faithful in, in uh, studying the issues that are at hand and, and, and just making a difference by, by the way in which we will stand up for you. We pray, God, that you would work, that you'd be exalted in this land. The word of God says that where you are lifted up, it will draw men unto you. I got, I have a vision for a nation that cries out to you, and the rest of the world looks and sees and says, this is what happens when you make God the focal point of a nation. Lord, right now in Jesus' name, heal those right now, God, who are hurting as regards to the loss of life. Last count I heard, some 17-plus people lost their lives in this last hurricane. Still digging out there, Lord. People's lives are totally shifted around and, and t- turned upside down. Lord, I pray that compassion would be the, the thing that is just really happening within us. We do whatever you call us to do as well, Lord. I pray for those people. People are still recovering from the, the hurricanes there in North Carolina. We pray for the family members of those who have lost uh, loved ones in this this largest transportation accident in I don't know how many years, a number of years, Lord. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would just allow for us to become everything you want us to be, that you would touch those who are sick among us, part of our body, but maybe not here today, that you would touch them in Jesus' name. Ones I know, I pray, God, for Hester, touch her body, touch God, uh, Pastor Judy, Lord, just minister to them, make them whole. Be with Ken Hovenoff, Lord, in his surgery and his procedure tomorrow. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. 
thankful, we're thankful, Lord, for your work in us and your patience and your mercy. We pray now that you'd open up our hearts and minds that we can receive from you everything you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we dealt last week with real people, real issues, and we, we had some real stories. How many of you enjoyed those stories? I so much appreciated the transparency of those individuals who would be willing to just say, you know what, this is what was part of my life. This is what has happened. And sometimes the things going on in the now. Next week you're going to hear from a friend of mine that I met, and uh, he's, uh, uh, he is just on fire. He is... Uh, turned upside down for the Lord, and God has really done some really neat things for him. His name is Tito, and uh, so I, I will, we'll share a little bit more of the story next week, but uh, be looking forward to that. We'll be talking about how when, when people of God become what he wants us to become, and we're truly serving him the way in which he wants us to serve him, that it makes a real difference, and Tito's going to be evidence of that, all right? So, but we are real people, there's real tests, there's real stories, and uh, so today we're talking about real God, all right? The real God. Now you might think, well, you know, what can you really say about that, Pastor? I mean, he's either God for, for everybody or he's not. He's, there is, there's only one true God. How many of you know that there's all kinds of versions of God out there? As far as in what people think. Perceptions of God. And, and it's important for us to be, able to, to be able to clearly articulate to people the God whom we serve. Because he's different than what a number of people actually make reference to. And I want you to understand, I want you to understand, we're going to talk today, we're going to answer a question, who is the real God? And I say the real God, okay, because he is not, not who is a real God, right? He is the real God. There is none other, all right? And it's important for us to realize that. And so we're going to take and look at your scriptures in Acts chapter 17. And I'm going to read a little bit more scripture than I'm going to have here up on the screen for you. Before I begin, I, I love the story about a little girl. And she went to uh, uh, Sunday school, and when she came home... With her Sunday school papers, she and her mom were leafing through the papers. By the way, you need to do that if you don't do that, okay, with your kids. All right, they come home with papers from children's church and such. Go over those things with them, please. Those, those are things to help, them, help you to help them to grow up in the faith. But anyway, she, they were leafing through them, and they came to a picture of Jesus. And her mother asked, do you know who that is? And she said, well, I don't know his name, but I do know that he goes to our church. <laughs> I mean, hopefully we're doing a better job at helping people to understand, kids to understand, you to understand, that Jesus is more than just a portrait. He's more than just an image on a, on a picture, all right? And he's, he's more than just this, this, whatever you could have imagined him to be or, or some, some artists have imagined him to be as far as a physical being. Jesus is real. He is a real person. He was really alive. He walked upon the face of the earth. And he is real in my heart today. And we're going to talk about how Jesus, who lived 2,000 years ago and died on a cross and rose again, how he can be in my heart today. If you're new here today or you're, you're, you're new to us as far as the church, we want to let you know that we make no apologies whatsoever. We want to preach the message of the cross. We want you to understand that God Almighty desires to have relationship with you, and, and that relationship can only be had because of, of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross. And when you receive him as your personal Lord and Savior, something fantastic happens inside. Amen. And uh, there's a lot of people who can testify to that in this place today. 
So in Acts chapter 17, we find an occasion where the Apostle Paul was uh, going into a town, and he was there in Athens. And I will read this particular uh, launching uh, verse first, and then I'll go back and give you a little backdrop. In Acts chapter 17, verse 23, it says, For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God, of which I underlined, I just wanted to point that out. Now what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. (laughs) You might think, well, how can you do that? I mean, don't you really have to correct them with all those other types of things? He just says, I'm going to proclaim to you the truth. How many of you know the Apostle Paul believed in the proclamation of the gospel? He says, listen, it is the power of God unto salvation. And it's so real, it's so powerful that this proclamation, this message, is going to cause for people to have an experience inside as they hear it over and over again. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? How can any man believe unless they hear? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? We're the tellers. We're the tellers. We get to tell. And so I want to back up for a moment, if I can, to in uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 16, give you a little backdrop. I'm going to read some passages of Scripture. If you want to turn your Bibles, uh, you can there. But we're going to come back to this particular verse, so just leave it right there. You see, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Now, an idol is what? A false god, a graven image, something that is bowed down to, something that is worshipped. And we we said a number of times before, to worship is to declare something worthy or something of value, all right? And you make that kind of a lordship or a master in your life. And so they were, the city was full of idols. Now you would think that they would have had all kinds of fights that was going on. Because, I mean, well, this is the one true God. This is the one true God. But you know what? They had become so callous and they had become so desperate that they didn't care about all the different idols. They were just reaching out in any which way that they could for God, their God, to answer them in one way or another. And so he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews in verse 17, and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day, with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him Some of them ask, what is this babbler trying to say? (laughs) I tell you, sometimes when you're talking to the world and you're talking about the things of God that at first doesn't make sense, you shouldn't quit talking. You should go ahead and maybe ask some questions, bring them along. But sometimes, and the word of God says this, it shows us that the God of this age has blinded their eyes. Cause for them not to be able to understand things. But the mystery is revealed through the presentation of the gospel. So others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. Verse 21, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. What a life. Let's just sit around and talk philosophy. Let's sit around and just talk about religion and really not get anywhere. And then we find here this occasion where he says this 
verse 22, for Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, men of Athens, I see that you in that in every way you are very religious. That's a word that comes from the NIV, but you are religious. Then he says, and I walked around and I looked and carefully at your objects of worship. I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Know now what you or worship is something unknown. I am going to proclaim to you. I am going to proclaim to you what? That he is the Lord of lords. He is the one true God. He said, I could see that you're trying to cover all of your bases. I could see that you're, you're trying to carry on with this religious ritual of, of worshiping something higher than yourself, to which some people would say, well, at least they're, they're, not, they're not selfish. But here's the thing. They worship gods that would allow for them to do the things that they wanted to be able to do. I've said this before, but, you know, it's important for you to realize that, um, you know, there's, there is a satanic cult that is alive and well in the world today. And, and there's a satanic church. And, you know, some would think that, you know, one of the goals of Satan is to get him to worship, um, you know, to get his followers to be able to worship him. But actually, if you look in the satanic Bible, I'm not encouraging you to do so. You can take it from my word, but you can maybe ask someone else if you want to. But it, it doesn't really promote the worship, Satan worship. It promotes self-worship. I find that interesting. Because when it comes down to all of the things, or many of the things that we have trouble with as far as transgressions, it doesn't have to do with whether or not we're really going to straight up worship Satan. But many times it has to do with how we're going to please ourselves. How we want this, but we think that God doesn't want us to have whatever it is. How we want to say this, how we want to watch this, how we want to participate. All those types of things we want. How many of you know that, that the flesh is weak? The flesh has a carnality about it that, 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 that just craves after the things that are not good for us. We've got to ask God to change us. So in Psalms 19.1, there's a passage of Scripture that says this. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Why is that verse so important? I mean, God's greatness can be seen in many different aspects of, of his creation, you know, of, of, of you and me. And he, he could have talked about the remarkable types of, of things that it takes in order for the body to just keep going on and on and on. How many of you thought about the last um, breath that you took? Nobody in this place, right? You didn't think about Like, you know what? I better, th- I better think about this because I want to make sure that I do this on time. You didn't think about your heart beating at all, did you? It just automatically happened. Why? Because God made it that way. I could talk to you about all of the fluid, the, the, the blood that goes through your, your heart and how many uh, hundreds and thousands of gallons that actually go through on a regular basis. I could talk about all of the nerves. I could talk about the, 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 the different molecules. I could talk about the healing properties. I could talk about the reproductive properties. All of those things are remarkable. And we just took a look at the human anatomy. Many people would think, you would think that it would be just a close, open and shut case. There has to be a God. But the scriptures doesn't really take a look at that, you know, a whole. But it does talk a lot about the heavens declare the glory of God. Not one as far as more important than the other, but but why? 
Why is it that he, he zeroes in and he wants to talk about this amazing vastness and largeness of how big this creative world in which he created, he takes responsibility for, is actually created. We're talking about who is God? Who is God? I believe he is the one true God. But I want you to see for a moment, just, we're going to give a couple um, things, and I, I got a couple sheets of, uh, of information here I, I, I brought out, and, and I'm, I'm just going to summarize from some of these things here. You know, um, how many of you realize that the moon, which is a pretty impressive thing, is uh, about 2,100 miles wide in diameter, okay? That's how, how much it is. It's about equivalent to the United States. Uh, I mean, 3,000 miles is what we usually say, but, you know, it just kind of sits there in the middle, take a very large, you know, land mass. How many think that the moon is pretty impressive, right? I mean, it's pretty impressive because it's so large. It's pretty impressive because it goes around the earth, you know, over and over again, right? 30, some day, right? 30 days right around there, and we, we do some adjustments with that. But it all comes out to 300 and, uh, I'm sorry, this us earth going around the sun, 365 and a quarter days per year. But anyway, think about it for a moment. The moon orbits at an average of 240,000 miles from the earth. And somehow repeats that same orbit month after month after month. It's incredible when you think about it. When you think about some of the other vastness of the things of, that, that God has created, it, it, it's something that happens like clockwork over and over again. When you think about the sun, it's a glowing hot ball of hydrogen gas. It is a fusion of hydrogen, the fusion of hydrogen to helium in the core. I mean, it's a nuclear power plant right there contained without any walls around it. And it stays in that fixed spot. And everything else rotates around it. It's a stable hydrogen bomb. Think about that. Unlimited in its resources and its ability to, to, to give out heat and to give out light. And we're exactly where we need to be as far as the earth is concerned to not burn up and not to freeze to death. And oh, by the way, to even things out, this earth even rotates on its axis consistently over and over again to give us some of the seasons and such that we have. And I mean, we could go into a whole lot more complexities than what I'm doing here. But I want you to understand that it is amazing when you start to think about the consistency of the creation the expanse of the world in which we live, that the moon is 240,000 miles from us and the sun is 400 times more distance away from that, some 93 million miles away. That's incredible. The, 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 the sun is 400 times larger than the moon and all of that weighs away, but on, a, on an angle, as you look at the sun and you look at the moon, both of them appear to be in the same size. It's incredible. The different types of things. And some people would say, well, it's just by happenstance. It's coincidence. No, I don't think so. You, you, you really need to gather how far that 93 million miles is. See, if you were to drive 65 miles per hour, do you know how long it would take you to cover 93 miles? 
163 years, nonstop, 24-7, at 65 miles an hour to cover 93 miles. You couldn't do it in a lifetime. That's a long ways away. And this is just one. That's just one sun, one star. And there's galaxies multiplied by, by the thousands. I mean, it's incredible what is out there. Things that we have not even, cannot even grasp how big it is. It's no wonder, and I'm not proposing this at all, but you no wonder why some people think that there's extraterrestrials out there. Because, I mean, it's so big. Why wouldn't it be something else, right? Once again, I'm not promoting it. I'm just saying. <laughs> you can see why people would say that. I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about what God has for me and what mission he has given to me. I'm, I, I'm not even concerned, but I'm, I'm excited about the fact that God, in all of his bigness, in all of his creation, would still not be so vast and so big to think about the creation of the rest of the world and the galaxies and all those types of things, that he wouldn't be specific in thinking and speaking and talking to real me. Is that not amazing? With everything that he has to care for, with all the oversight that would have to be given towards things. And the, I don't know what, what billion we got, six billion, seven billion people on the face of the earth. That he wants to talk to you. Why? Because he's a real God. He is the real God. I'm so thankful for the Assemblies of God, and, I, and I'm an Assembly of God minister. This is Assembly of God Church because we believe in the, in the values and the do doctrines that the Assemblies of God uh, hold to. And, and if you wanted to find out more about the Assemblies of God doctrines or you want to brush up on some of those things as far as what we stand for, you should go to ag.org, okay? Just ag, assemblies.org and look at beliefs and see those things. But there's 16 fundamental truths that we have that we stand by or, or that are non-negotiable. Every Assembly of God church, every Assembly of God pastor, it will hold to and adhere to these particular truths. And one of them, the second one, is that there is one true God. There's only one true God. And we use uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, talks about that God just exists. There's only one true God. And there's all kinds of, you, if, if you haven't done this before, you haven't read those articles, or like I said, it's been a long time, and, and, and you're in some, some negotiations with some people about truth, go there. It's really easy. You can copy it off, print it out, and, and, and memorize some of those things and really become knowledgeable about uh, to be able to answer people's questions. But in understanding that there is a real God, we understand that there's also some complexities because we promote this thing called the Trinity. Anyone ever hear that before? Yeah, where God is three persons, right? But demonstrates himself in one, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, how does that make up? How does that make any difference to us? Or why does it make any difference to us? We promote that he's one God, right? But he shows himself through the three persons of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you're like, well, you know what? That's, that's a little bit hard to get our minds around. I, I, and, and i, I got to admit that with you, all right? But how many of you ever heard that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts? I'm not saying you should just accept this blindly, but I'm telling you that there's a, there's a way, there is a reason. And when you think about it on a, on a perspective from an eternal perspective, you can see how God, the creator of all the universe, 
would want to take and show himself in the person of a loving father, of someone who is walking alongside of us, and, and Jesus incarnated, walking in the face of the earth, all right? And then the Holy Spirit, because he's wanted to be someone who is always with us. It makes sense to me, amen? That he's wanting to do this because he wants to show us the involvement that he wants to have with his creation, with his people. So there's one true God who has made uh, uh, this attempt with his creation to have contact with us and that we would know him. The cool part about God living in us through the Holy Spirit when I said the Lord Jesus Christ lives in me, it's because the Holy Spirit is God. Amen. And it's his spirit, the spirit of Christ who lives in me. He sent his spirit. It's important for you to realize today that the very word when it spoke about Jesus was going to come, incarnate and be Emmanuel. It literally means God is with us. And in John, both 15 through 17, there's some extraordinary passages where he's getting his disciples ready, and he's trying to say to them, he says, listen, I'm going to go away, but I am sending a comforter to you. I'm sending someone else. And guess what? He's God as well. The very essence of God, the very same power, the same spirit that by which I was able to do these things while on the face of the earth, guess what? That same spirit is living in you, dwelling in you. Your eternity, or to be eternal-minded, isn't something that you're going to inhabit or receive one day. The day in which you receive Jesus Christ is the day that eternity began for you, eternal life. You know what I'm saying? It's not something to be put off. You should not be waiting or being excited about dying, all right? Some people are like, what? I'm not excited about dying. I mean, some people think of that, you know, but you should be living in a manner and way that you say, you know what? My eternal life began the day that I accepted Jesus Christ, and I'm living with that in mind. I'm trying to move forward to be an effector and a changer, the world changer, to be a difference maker for people because I believe in this real God. This belief in this real God will bring direction to me. That's the second thing I want you to get today. Belief in the real God brings direction. Do you know how many people we have walking around that do not, go ahead to the next slide, please, and that do not have an understanding about where it is that they're going or what it is that they're supposed to be doing. They literally think that they were created to take up space on the face of the earth and then to die. What a morbid view of life. But if you don't have a belief in a real God, what other reason is there for you, right? So they're going to make the most of it. They're going to make the most of this life. And then what? Now some have the false notion that everybody's saved and they just don't know it yet. We know that that's not true, all right? Instead, we, the Bible says that Jesus says that he is the way and the truth and life, and no one comes to the Father except by him. You have to have relationship with him. Now, there's some people who have a hard time believing that God will lead or guide. But even in the most troublesome times, I want to tell you God is leading. Has anyone ever had anything bad happen to you? <laughs> Something that happened bad because, and you had no, you had no um, contribution to, to the thing that was going on. You were just going ahead, you were doing life, and, and all of a sudden something still bad happened to you. Raise your hand there, okay? 
Now, raise your hand. Let's just get the common part of this. How many of you had some bad things happen because of some choices you have made? Would you raise your hand to that? Oh, look at that. Isn't it amazing that we can accept responsibility for bad things happening to us because of choices we made? But sometimes things happen to us even when we are doing everything that we know to be right. It was a particular Saturday afternoon, and a father and a six-year-old were, uh, were going to go fishing. The son's six-year-old boy's name was Mikey, and they were fishing near a bridge in Kokomo Reservoir when a woman lost control of her car. And she slid off of the bridge and went down the embankment and hit Mikey at the rate of about 50 miles per hour. The sheriff, who happened to be the boy's grandfather, had seen the results of accidents like this before and had feared the worst. And when he got there to St. Joseph Hospital, he rushed through the emergency room to find Mikey conscious and in fairly good spirits, considering what had happened to him. And he asked him, he says, Mikey, what happened? Sheriff Marr asked, and he says, well, Gramps, I was fishing with Dad, and some lady runned me over. I flew into a mud puddle and broke my fishing pole, and I didn't get to catch no fish. As it turned out, the impact that propelled Mikey threw him about 500 feet over a few trees in an embankment, and he landed in the middle of a mud puddle. And his only injuries was a broken femur in two places. Now, of course, he needed surgery. He needed some pins in his leg, and otherwise he was fine. But he had broken his fishing pole, and that's what he had told his grandpa. And so while he was in surgery, the sheriff and the grandpa went out to, to Walmart and picked him up a new fishing pole so that when he came out, he could go ahead and, and have that new fishing pole. After the surgery was over, he brought him in the fishing pole the next day, and, and he was actually there in the room and kind of casting into the garbage can. I mean, he's a true fisherman. He really liked to do that, all right? And, and uh, he was alone with them, and, and when they were alone, uh, he, Mikey, just a matter of fact, said, Gramps, did you know that Jesus is real? Well, the sheriff replied, uh, uh, yes, Jesus is real to all who believe in him and love in him in their hearts. No, said Mikey. I mean, Jesus is really real. Hmm, what do you mean, said the sheriff? I know he's real because I saw him. Still casting into the garbage can? You did, said the sheriff. Yep, said Mikey. When that lady runned me over and broke my fishing pole, Jesus caught me in his arms and laid me down in the mud puddle. Now, here's the thing that the world will tell us. They will try to come up with some type of crazy, outlandish excuse about how somebody could be hit by a moving vehicle, a couple thousand pound vehicle, at 50 miles per hour and only have a broken leg in two places and be cast 500 feet. Do you know the landing from 500 feet being catapulted? That ought to have done you in, you know what I'm saying? Besides the impact. And you're sitting there saying, Wow. Well, why, God, couldn't you have stopped him from getting his leg broke? Do you hear, you, do you hear where, where, where people go? Because if God really did that, then he would have did it the whole way. Listen, 
His ways are higher than my ways. It doesn't take away the reality of who he is, but it does help me to understand that I need to seek him for direction because belief in him will lead me in a direction that will help me to accomplish things I otherwise thought I couldn't. Go ahead with the next slide, please, because here there's a familiar passage in Scripture that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. What does that mean, acknowledge it means to have an awareness of, to have, have, have this, this, this place where you are recognizing and interacting with him on a regular basis. Sylvia, you're here today again. I try not to point you out all the time, but when you live with someone who's soon to be 95 years of age, you're hoping that you're gaining something and learning something. Sylvia walks around the house on a regular basis, and she seemingly mumbles. So it's what someone else might think. I said seemingly mumbles, but she is praying because there's an awareness and acknowledgement that there's not anything that she's doing. There's not any position that she has to get into. There's not any pause that she has to have in what's going on in her day in order to acknowledge that God is real to her, will listen to her, will respond to her. I wonder if that's the way that it is for you. I thought many times why we don't set out, well, I mean, I wonder, you know, at family meals. I've, I've heard of some people, you know, setting a place and just recognizing that God is there. No, he doesn't have to eat. Maybe that's why we don't do that. You know, that doesn't make much sense. But, but you know what I'm saying? I mean, so many times we think that we've got to get into the spiritual position in order to acknowledge God. I wonder what would happen if we really had conversations with him as we were walking to and fro and wherever we're going. And the Apostle Paul, what he said that we ought to do is learn how to pray without ceasing. It's really a constant awareness and acknowledgement of God's existence in your life. That would show that God is real. And you know what? I think a lot more people would be having a lot less problems with direction if they had a whole lot more awareness that God wants to work in their lives. And that's why the wisest man on the earth, gift given by God, says acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. He will make it clearer for you. I don't know about you, but I want to be living in that state where I have this constant regard for God's providence, for God's protection, for God's oversight, for God's steering things here and there. The good is going to happen as well as the bad is going to happen. But one thing I know is that God is aware of everything that happens in my life. There's some people who make the mistake of cred accrediting too much to the devil, all right? They credit too much to, to the devil. Now, now, God always works for your good, all right? But sometimes some things are happening, all right? And it's just like, you know, the devil took that person out. The devil did this. So, you know, well, God was aware of those things. And for some reason, somehow, God's letting something happen in your life. And, and I think the greater response to the things that we don't know is, all right, Lord, how do you want to show yourself strong and powerful and true in my predicament, in my trial, in my adversity, in my tribulation? Why is it? that I'm looking up and saying, God, where are you? When I ought to be saying, 
Lord, I acknowledge you all around right now. And I realize things are out of my control. Things have taken me down a path where it's trying to discourage me and bring depression. But one thing is for sure, I know that you are real and you will direct and guide my path when I acknowledge you. Amen. Third thing that will happen here, I believe, is belief in real God will bring rewards. Hebrews chapter 11, all right? I guess hold that, that up there for a moment. Go back to this side. Belief in real God, say, will bring rewards. It brings direction and it brings rewards, all right? And, and then go to the, the scripture, if you would, please. In Hebrews 11, 1, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Very common passage of scripture. It ought to be a, a, a memory verse for every single person. If you don't know what the substance of faith is, you ought to get this verse, all right? You ought to find whatever version it is that you want to say it in and, and, and memorize that. And then, get the, and, then, and then there's a story. I'll just fill in the gaps of what happens in verses 2 through 5. But there are some accounts and some more stories of people who walk by that faith, all right? And then there's this little more instruction that happens here in verse 6. It says, and without faith, by the way, all right, it's like, you know, these people had faith, but, but without faith it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he what? Exists. You must believe that he's real. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God will bring rewards to those people who earnestly seek him. Now listen, I told you already before, we've got a problem in society today. There is an idolatry problem that's not just part of the world. It happens even in the church. There are some longings and desires that we have when we come to Christ and we need to recognize the carnality of it all. And, and sometimes we are fed this line that everything is going to be a cakewalk for you the moment that you accept Jesus Christ. And so we start to envision this God who is the gift giver, who makes sure that nothing goes wrong in our lives. And the moment that something starts to go wrong in our lives, we blame God. And it short circuits our, our faith. We let it get connected to. We let our emotions begin to drive us into our belief mode rather than understanding here that you must believe that he exists and you must believe some things about his characteristics, about his attributes. You must believe that he is working all things together for your good. But the things that we get caught up in, in the world in which we live, See if any of these things sound familiar. Anybody know of anybody that's seeking power? Anybody know of anybody that's seeking possessions? That's seeking influence? That's seeking, that they're seeking uh, um, social status? That's seeking ease? <laughs> I mean, some people are just saying, you know what? All I want is more toys. There's a saying that says, he who dies with the most toys wins. But there's also a bumper sticker that says, but he is dead nevertheless. Oh. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? Whatever it is that you consider of more worth than me, than the real me. And lose your own soul. He says it profits you nothing. <laughs> we need to heed the, war the warning of the master and come after him. Praise him, come if you would please. This last point that I want to do is that belief in the real God will lead us to serve him 
in extraordinary ways. I'm just going to summarize what took place for of a real-life account for a man that we all have attributed as a man of great faith, and his name is Abraham. Anyone ever hear of him before? In this Hebrews 11, we find where Abraham, he was also credited as someone who believed God. He had great faith. He believed in the reality of God. And he believed in the reality of God so much so that he was willing to do something extraordinary. What does that have to do with us today? The extraordinary thing that, that Abraham was asked to do was an unthinkable act. Was to take your one and only son, the one in whom I promise to give you lineage through, blessings through, promise through, and I want you to offer that son as a sacrifice for me. You all are thinking exactly what I was, I'm thinking. Is that every, I'm like, if someone told us that today, you, you get that, you, you understand how outside of the bounds of, of normality that is, right? And, and there's been some individuals who have done this, this very thing. So how, God? Let me tell you right now, I don't have all the answers to it, but the Bible says that this was a test. Show that there in the scripture verse, please, if you would, please. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. And he replied, then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah, and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. That was going to be hard. But that is not the end of what Abraham saw. Abraham's test wasn't just that he would offer the sacrifice, but that he would know and believe in the character of God so much so that this next verse could be made manifest, could, be, could be, become a reality. And it's Hebrews eleven seventeen. 17. It says, by faith, Abraham, the same faith by which he was willing to offer his one and only son, this one here, I mean his promised son, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, he who received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to them, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Look verse 19. Abraham reasoned. He reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Think about that for a moment. If you for a moment's notice, could be put on the same level or, or even think that for a moment that God would have some of the same desires to be, to be operating and working through at the same level that he wished, worked through Abraham. Well, and why would you not consider that, right? Why would he have more favor upon Abraham than he does upon you? You have to be willing to allow for God to work through you through some extraordinary ways extraordinary, outside the ordinary, that you're willing to say, Lord, I know you so much. I believe in you so much. I know your character so much. That God, I'm scared half to death to serve you in this manner and way. But I'm going to take the gift that you've given to me, as undeveloped as it may be, and I'm going to say, I'm going to let it be exercised. 
What gifts am I talking about? Some of you have the gifts of, uh, of charity. Some of you have the gifts of administration, the gift of helps. You, you have different gifts that have been given to you besides the, the nine gifts that we find there in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 12. There's other gifts. But sometimes we're afraid to use them. Because, well, that's not quite normal. I'm telling you today, God and your belief in him, if you believe in God, that God is real, then he's going to work through you in some ex extraordinary ways. Doing some things that nobody else would have even thought of. But if we don't give him an opportunity, if we let fear keep us down, then we're never going to see it happen. But by faith, Abraham, when was instructed because he knew God, he was tested in that area, said, even this, Lord, I'm willing to give up because I trust that you work, still work this out in the way in which you promised from the beginning. Here's what God's promise is to you. If you call upon me, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I am an ever-present help in time of trouble. I am there for you. I, I, I'm telling you what, God wants to operate through you. And I see an army being raised up. I have a vision for a real people who are absolutely convinced of the existence of the same real God of Abraham. The same God of Elijah. The same God that was operating through Paul and through Peter. Who's when their very shadow would, would walk by certain places and, and, and such and be cast upon, people would be healed. Now, I'm not seeking after those things, but I'm saying it could happen. And if the Lord lays upon my heart to do that, if he lays upon my heart to spit in someone's eyeball or to stick a finger in their ear or whatever it is that he would have me to do, as outside of the realm of ordinary as it would be, do I, am I convinced that I know him, the real God, enough that I would do it for him to receive the glory and the honor? <laughs> am I willing to do it? We've had some individuals that's come before us that was willing to do it. Smith Wigglesworth was his name. Went to a funeral service. Pulled the man out of the tomb, out of the, out of the, the casket. Put him up against the wall. Summary, live. Guy fell over. I'm quitting right after that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not him. God spoke this to me. The real God spoke this to me. Put him back up there again. Third time. He fell over again. Third time. Guy comes back to life. Here's the thing. As much as I desire to see that stuff to happen, I will always struggle as to who will get the credit and the gain for that. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I, I so much want to be in the realm of what doing what he wants me to do and deflecting all the glory to him that I don't ever want to be a seeker of those things. I want to exercise the gifts that he's given to me, but I so much want him to receive the credit and the glory because I believe in the existence of him. Amen? You know what I'm saying? So I will refuse. I will beat down the fleshly desire within me to be emotionally charged 
by just looking for that stuff. And I'll be more emotionally charged by this recognition of who God is and what he wants to do and operate through me and how he wants to communicate to me and assure me that he is the same today as he was yesterday. Is anybody else in the house like that today? Do you see what I'm saying? We can expect him to do miracles today. And, and, and we should expect him to, 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 to operate in, in round and ways that give him the credit, that give him the glory. Because if we don't, we start to travel down this path of look what's wrong with the church. We're not seeing miracles happen in the church today. What's wrong with us? We're, we're unfaithful, we're unholy people. And some of that might be true. Some of that is true. But more importantly than anything else at all, I want God to know that I know he is real. I want the people to whom I'm walking out my life in front of to know that I know that he is real. Regardless of what happens to me, I'm giving glory and honor to him. Does that make sense to you today? We're to sing this song. It's called Build My Life. And it speaks about the importance of recognizing how worthy he is of the attention. You may be in here in this place today and you say, Pastor, I, I have not given God the proper respect, the proper time. I haven't given him the proper accolades of what he's wanted to do for me, how he's wanted to save me. And so you're going to do that today. You're going to say, you know what, I'm going to submit to him. I'm going to give him my life. He's going to build my life as I recognize his worth in my life. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I've been doing a really bad job at that, but I want it to change today. I've been doing a really bad job at, at deferring or at giving you the, the proper respect and honor that you deserve, Lord, but you're going to do that different today. You're, you, and, and let me tell you this. The way in which you do that is by not acting out when he tells you to do things, all right? When, you, when, when, when we believe that he exists, we'll believe him for direction. We'll believe him for rewards. We'll believe him to lead us into extraordinary ways. So how many today say, I want the Holy Spirit right now to work a work in me. Amen. Come on, lift up your hand if that's you here today. And say, I want, I want to be full of that kind of faith. Amen. Stand to your feet in this place right now. Right now in this place in Jesus' name. God, we lift up our hearts to you and our voices to you. And we're going to sing this song. We're going to say, Lord, work in us. Do a work in us as a church in Jesus' name. And I, I want you to do this. It's, 